Good morning and welcome to the third podcast by the N and AHP Committee on Interprofessional Teamwork within the ICU setting. My name is Elena Conoscenti. I'm an infection control nurse, a magnet coordinator at ISMET, UPMC, and I'm an elect member of the N and HNP. Um, I have the pleasure to introduce you to uh, Dr. Andreas Xirikis, um, who is going to share his expertise on interprofessional teamwork. Um, let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Andreas Xirikis. Um, is an intensive care nurse and social scientist based at King's College London, UK. Um, is a senior lecturer in interprofessional science. Um, Dr. Xirikis holds a Bachelor in Nursing, a Master's in Research and PhD in Medical so Sociology uh, from King's College. Um, Andreas works in nursing, research and policy making in Cyprus, London and Bruxelles. He is currently the Principal Investigator for Fearless ICU, a four-year NIHR-funded research project investigating interprofessional collaborative approaches in ICU in the UK. And, um, and I'm just going to welcome you, Andreas. Thank you so, so much, Elena. Thank you for inviting me and, and lovely to talk to you this morning. Okay. Um, listen, Andreas, um, let's start uh, to kind of uh, set um, uh, the, the, the topic. Why interprofessional teamwork um, is so important in the ICU setting, um, according to your experience and expertise? Well, there's actually uh, many reasons for that, Elena, which I, I usually like to cluster into three main areas. The first is patient outcomes. Uh, we actually have known for quite a while maybe from the sort of early to late 80s from research done in mainly in the US that in teams in intensive care units rated better on the quality of collaborative working so the quality of their team working more patients survive than are normally expected to after adjusting for baseline differences admissions and, and conditions and so on and the opposite is also true that in those units rated more poorly on collaborative working, more patients die than are expected to after adjusting for everything else. So we have known for quite a while actually that good teamwork um, can help improve outcomes, save lives, and poor teamwork actually increases the, the risk of mortality. And it's not just, of course, the issue of mortality. We know from, again, evidence and more recent evidence that good quality teamwork improves outcomes, including uh, successful and, and, and quick process of winning patients off the ventilator, um, in increasing improving mobilization, uh, rehabilitation outcomes, um, and, and better experience for the ICU patient. The second category of benefits of teamwork is to do with the ICU staff. So staff who work in, in more collaborative teams uh, have better uh, job satisfaction, are more 
engaged where they work, so they're happy where they work, they enjoy where they work, and they want to invest uh, where they work through finding better ways to improve sort of processes and, and uh, so-called improvement initiatives and so on, and have better mental health, mental well-being, in that they experience less burnout or they're able to recover better from burnout should that happen. And all of that leads to more, um, as I said, satisfaction, intention to remain where they work, so reducing turnover in the teams. So not really surprising, people like to work in, in good functioning teams. And finally, it's to deal with the family members. Family members like and, and want and ask for their providers to be more collaborative with each other, to uh, be on the same page in terms of information and messaging, avoiding conflicting information or advice, giving them sort of a consistent uh, and, and, and sort of feeling of reassurance that their relative is taken care of or family member or loved one is taken care of by a collaborative team that talks to each other, coordinates, hands over to each other. And that leads to also better outcomes for the family themselves in terms of distress, but also satisfaction. So overall, teamwork is, is uh, a very positive intervention for improving patient, staff, uh, as well as family outcomes. Thank you, Andreas. Yeah, it, it really looks like there are not down points on working together in the ICU, right? Um, just you were mentioning burnout and it just came to my mind, you know, what we all went through uh, with COVID-19. Uh, well, you know, the pandemic kind of brought us uh, and forced us to work together as team members, even like in places where, um, you know, there were um, a year or she and people working separately, we were kind of re really naturally forced to work together. Um, how does it work? Like, in, in, you know, we come from different countries. Um, I'm from Italy. In Italy, it looked like it was um, like a natural teamwork during pandemic. And then uh, now the COVID-19 is over. It looks like we are back where we where we were and it, suddenly it looks like we didn't learn the lessons that all the benefit from working together and um, during the during COVID-19 how does it work what what's your um, what's what are your thoughts on that thank you Lena in fact <clears throat> you raise a really good point and it's an experience that is is shared by ICU teams all around um, evidence and data looked at I looked at from the UK, from the National Staff Survey, point to similar experience like you shared during the pandemic. People came together, they were more collaborative, um, they supported each other to get through this uh, incredible um, pressure that people were under. Um, and a couple of years later, we seem to be reverting back to our old ways. Um, which most people find disappointing. Um, they preferred their camaraderie, the good relationships that happened during the pandemic times, obviously, <laughs> the work pressure aside. <clears throat> there's, um, there's actually 
reasons why such things happening. Um, the reality is that there's very few people who are against the idea of collaboration, of teamwork. Um, and in, in any ICU I've been to, no one has ever said to me, you know, working in teams is a bad idea. At the same time, uh, we do know that there's better and, and less performing ICU teams. And the reasons for that vary. They vary based on structural things, so the way the ICUs are, are planned and organized, the resources that people have and the allocation of those resources to the various health professions, the routines that they've established um, and the extent to which those routines allow space for collaboration and for exchange of information, communication and shared decision making, or whether they favor one particular profession in, in setting the agenda and the routine, which sort of diminishes the influence of everyone else. Um, and historical tensions around um, who holds ultimate responsibility and accountability, even though we know from case law all over the world that in those occasions where something unfortunate happened, it is never a single person or profession that is pointed out. Um, all professions carry responsibility for uh, outcomes. But some professions obviously feel more or less that responsibility. And again, that in a way influences how much they invest in collaborative working. And of course, we, we know the historical tensions between the professions, uh, some professions being much older and some professions being relatively recent in the ICU space. And challenges around establishing boundaries, so who gets to do what, who has expertise and authority over certain things, given that things change. And of course, we've got little support sometimes to help staff, help us navigate those changes. So when we have a new member of staff in the team uh, from a, a profession we didn't used to have such close collaboration with, or even a new role or someone in an existing role, but with an expanded scope of practice. So navigating how that works, how that new role, person, team, profession fits into our established ways of working, creates certain challenges and disruptions to normal flow. Um, and in that aspects of teamwork uh, become more difficult. In, however, urgent situations under a lot of time pressure and, and um, when there is a need, as you said, then some of those concerns, underlying concerns uh, and anxieties get suspended. Uh, my own PhD research has shown that the way teams come together in ICU and the, the way teamwork materializes in everyday ICU practice can change. And it changes based on the people who are around um, and the underlying conditions that uh, require the input, including the patient condition. Many of us have seen under really urgent situations where the patient is deteriorating, uh, when there's a sudden 
uh, demand for us to come together because patient is crashing or something is happening. People just come together. They don't think I will take on this role. I'm the senior nurse, I'm the junior physio, I'm the, I'm the consultant. People tend to come together to resolve the issue. So all those tensions get suspended. However, that's, that's a temporary thing and a temporary effect. When that pressure is gone, people have the space to retreat back to those ways of working. Um, and there isn't actually a single solution or a magic bullet we can do to help people sustain those uh, high-performing team approaches. Um, and of course, no one wishes for another pandemic. Elena. I, I agree, Andres. I was just, uh, while you were talking, I was just thinking about my, you know, back in my college years. And and I, I, I was never introduced to the topic of um, interprofessional teamwork. I, I do think that sometimes there is a lack of knowledge. Um, you know, between professionists, we actually don't know how other could actually benefit uh, how could we benefit and uh, directly and indirectly families and patients will benefit from us working together? And I really do believe, I don't know what 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 you think about that, but, you know, um, during our basic education, so like nurses, doctors, physiotherapists, perfusionists, we we'll all should be introduced to this topic and maybe to know a little bit more about each other profession uh, so that we actually um, understand uh, the, the better way. Or I think it's just a changing of mindset, starting to introduce, uh, you know, young people um, to to working together, to teamwork. I, I actually don't remember studying that. I did studying in, in Ireland and I don't remember about being introduced to this concept. And I, I really do think it's, it's quite important to start at, at, at the very beginning of of the profession. It's, it was just a reflection. I don't know what you think or, or if you think it, it should be somehow um, um, introduced as, uh, uh, you know, during our studies, um, just to, to introduce this topic and, um, and, and the benefits that could have on um, the patient. I absolutely agree, Elena. And we know from uh, our research, but also, uh, even looking at through social media channels and, and, and the um, sort of messages that health professionals put out there, especially new people entering the workforce, they say the same thing. Why were we not taught how to work together? Um, because suddenly they realize that they have to work together and working together in good collaborative teams just makes our work and our lives, working lives so much better and easier. And you're right, many people aren't introduced to these ideas, principles, skills uh, of collaborative working early in their training. Um, An initiative we, we work on, we have worked on for a while now, we, we continue to invest in, is to advocate for greater what we call interprofessional education across the uh, undergraduate pre-qualification curricula across the health professions. 
So opportunities for the different health professions, nurses, doctors, pharmacists, dietitians, physios, you know, the whole lot, to come together, to learn uh, about each other, learn from each other, because we all have something to learn from, yes. and learn more about one another. All of that to help, as you say, shape our, our ways of thinking, our identities, and get students outside of that silo approach to training, which on the one hand reinforces professional identity as doctors, nurses and so on, but on the other, because it's so siloed, it also creates a sense of competition. And, and that competition um, tends to hinder collaborative working. So I completely agree with you. And the evidence, Elena, also agrees with you. Um, Andreas, um, at this point, um, just give us, uh, you know, ideas on how to um, to strengthen teamwork. Um, you, uh, well, I actually introduce you by saying that you are the principal investigator of for Fearless ICU. I don't know how much you can share or want to share uh, with us in terms of um, teamwork and um, strength and team working. Oh. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Elena. So, in fact, there's many attempts and many interventions developed over the years to strengthen collaborative practice. Some have had more success, some have less uh, so. Um, in the main, our most powerful set of interventions to improve team working in intensive care and across the health sector is through interventions built around this idea of interprofessional education. So pe bringing people together to uh, discuss and focus on how to improve the collaborative working or indeed focus on a particular care process or a way of doing things, but doing so in an interprofessional team with appropriate facilitation. So that is not a single profession that dictates the way forward. So this kind of team training, team facilitation interventions are quite powerful. The evidence suggests uh, across different settings and actually require minimal investment in that most professions have some sort of education days, team days, training days, reflective days, mortality conferences, and so on. So it's, it's using what is currently there to also unpick and explore the interprofessional teamwork aspects, the strengths and challenges that different teams faces, and ways of strengthening and overcoming those, which are to one extent or another unique and specific to each team. So we advocate for what we call innovation from within, so within the team to find their own ways to improve the collaborative working. There are of course things we know that work, ensuring uh, good role modeling and leadership, uh, enabling psychological safety from leaders and everyone in the team to ensure that everyone feels safe to ask a question 
to express an opinion, to uh, step in to help someone or pull someone out of a situation that is not quite working for them without fear of being um, you know, told off or ridiculed or made fun of or, or whatever. So creating that safe space for collaboration to happen is, is, is quite important. And there's techniques that we can all uh, do to reinforce that message. There are, of course, also skills in, in communication, how we structure our communication, how we use certain communication tools so everyone tries to follow a consistent approach so we improve our communication, ensuring that our communication goes into an open and closed loop so every message is sent, received and, and reinforced. There are lots of training things that we can do. The challenge, Elena, is that most of the things we know about how to improve teamwork is from research done before the pandemic. And the pandemic was such a huge thing that happened that, as you said, influenced people's experiences of working in intensive care and working with each other and influenced people's expectations now and attitudes towards working and team working. Um, so Fearless uh, aims to investigate the current way, the current setup of intensive care units, specifically in the UK, at least at this stage, to understand what and how much have things changed in this sort of peri-post-pandemic time, how much of our knowledge around team working continues to apply and how much of it needs adjusting in one way or another to the current situation and perhaps the future uh, situation with regards to ICU work where people have these different perhaps experiences to, to build from but also there is we know a workforce challenge with uh, a shortage of staff and uh, an expansion and generally shifting of roles, responsibilities and tasks among the team. So Fearless really tries to do that. How can we create a safe space in intensive care units to enable teamwork and collaborative work? How can we make intensive care once again a fearless space, a space where teams can flourish, where people enjoy going into work enjoy working with each other um, and through that improve the quality of care and the outcomes for the people they care for, our patients and of course their loved ones, family members. Uh, so Fearless is starting actually this month. Uh, today is the 1st of August so we're officially uh, <laughs> on the go uh, and it's, as you said it's a four-year uh, project which uh, I hope I will have uh, more opportunities to share uh, updates and how things are going with you and Essex in, 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 in time to come. Um, yeah, good luck with that, Andres. Thanks for sharing with us. I was going to ask you for takeaway messages, but I believe the way you just presented Fearless ICU and the benefit of teamwork, it just put it, everything together. So. Um, I just wanted to uh, thank you very much for sharing your knowledge and expertise, and we're really looking forward for the results of the study. 
and and hope you all enjoy the podcast. Thank you, Andreas. Thank you, Lena. Pleasure speaking with you.